The big question that every writer has is, how can I sell more books? Or if they're not published yet, it's how can I write books that sell? But when writers approach selling books from a numbers perspective, they're missing out on the amazing relationships they could be building with readers through their stories. It's impossible to write books that resonate with readers when you're writing for money, because money can't read. But shouldn't writers be able to make a living with their stories? Well, when you connect with human souls, readers turn into fans and friends, and that's when consistent income begins. That and so much more. But how do writers connect with readers? That is the question this podcast aims to answer. My name is Kristen Spencer, and this is the Expensive Words Podcast. All right, everyone, welcome back. I took a few days off for the Christmas slash holiday break. For me, it was Christmas. Um, For you, whatever you were celebrating, I hope that you had a wonderful time. And I wanted to today... (laughs) Welcome to WS Class. Hello. Welcome everyone who's joining us. Uh, I wanted to talk about Soul by Pixar, which I watched yesterday with my family. And (laughs) I've been reading reviews all day. Uh, My husband has been like telling me different reviews that he's read because this is a really important moment for us, for we writers in the storytelling community to uh, really evaluate what's going on here. And I wanted to give you my take, and I also wanted to uh, help you understand some of the confusion that's happening as far as what's going on with these reviews. And uh, I, <laughs> I'm i going to tell you right now, listen, if you haven't seen Soul yet, because you haven't had time or you don't have Disney Plus or whatever reason and you're interested in the story, I'm going to spoil it like crazy for you. So please make sure that you don't listen to this if you don't want to know what's going to happen. As I have said, you were warned, spoilers are going to happen. And uh, Soul is a really interesting idea for a story because it doesn't deal so much with the afterlife, which is kind of what the stories that we've come to expect, but it deals with uh, before life, uh, as they call they call it like you seminar, you seminar is what they call it. It's like a modern, catchy Silicon Valley ish type of name for it, which is awesome. And I loved, loved, loved the film. I watched it with my kids. Uh, Actually, it felt really personal for me because I've been working on the storyteller mindset, which is the same theme that they talk about in Soul. So I was like, oh, my gosh, I was geeking out a little bit. Um, But I've read a couple (laughs) a couple of reviews (laughs) that were from people who saw Soul, who thought that it basically fell into every kind of. Um, POC stereotype that it shouldn't. And I'm going to argue hardcore against that. And if you want to uh, listen to maybe a sort of contrary argument to this, where I'm going to use not my opinion, but other people's opinions to prove that soul was very thoughtfully done. And I do want to mention that um, soul, everyone's like, oh, Pete Doctor directed it. So it's a white person who's kind of imposing his will on black characters. But let me reach over here. I want to talk 
I want to talk a little bit about Kemp Powers, who was the co-director for this film. He's also worked on Star Trek Discovery, uh, which I watched the first season of and loved, and I just couldn't stomach paying CBS so much extra money to be able to watch Star Trek. I was like, no, why? Why are you doing this to me? Um, I'm a Star Trek, Star Wars kind of person. I like both. I love anything that has a good story. Uh, except for horror is really hard for me. But if, if it has a good story, I, I will stomach some difficult things that I don't really like to watch normally. But so um, I want to say, like, Kemp Powers is a black man. And I got to watch this really cool interview. Uh, if you go on Disney+, Plus, they have these short interviews that they've been putting out. And he's one of the people that talks about making sure that this movie felt representative for the black community and all the different things that he wanted to incorporate from his own life. It was so amazing. It was so inspiring. Uh, I loved how vulnerable he was, even though he admitted that it was difficult for him to be so vulnerable in front of the camera. And, okay, I I just want (laughs) to—there's, like, this review on The Insider that shreds—it shreds soul— And I cannot agree with anything that the writer says. And I don't, I cannot tell what her ethnicity is, whether she's a POC or not. But I want to look into these stereotypes. And if you have not purchased um, How to Write Black Characters, an Incomplete Guide by Salt and Sage Books, I... I highly recommend it. It's on my list of one of my favorite books this year, my favorite things this year, which I'm going to do in another episode really soon because 2020 is almost over. And uh, it's got all these different stereotypes to avoid. And this uh, writer in the Insider article, she mentions some of the things that we see in the uh, How to Write Black Characters, an incomplete guide, but she doesn't she doesn't seem to take all of the ideas into account to the extent that she should. And so let me mute that. So I, uh, I, I straight out disagree with her. But before I'm saying that my perspective as a white person disagrees with her, I want to share with you something I'm learning in How to Write Black Characters, An Incomplete Guide. They go through these different stereotypes uh, in Chapter 3, I believe it is. Let me double check that. Oh, it's Chapter 1. It's in the first chapter. Um, and so they go through these different, like... I'm just going to read them to you because they're really helpful. I'm telling you, you have to get this book. I, I'm also reading How to Write Asexual Characters in the Incomplete Guide, and it's by the same people. And it's so, so good. I mean, these are written by the group of people who this type of writing is represented and by editors and sensitivity readers. I cannot, I cannot recommend it Uh more I, it's just you have to you have to they're so good and um so i'm looking for so here this is one of the things that they're saying that uh, the main character represents in soul and it's joe gardner right he's the main character and they're saying that he's an uncle tom type character and i'm going to read you what the 
How to Write Black Characters in Incomplete Guide says about this. Uh, the term originates from Harriet Beecher Stowe's book, Uncle Tom's Cabin, but has taken on its own very speci- specific meaning over the years. An Uncle Tom is a black character, usually a man, who is servile to a white character character or to white society in general. They will protect the interest of the white characters or people as if they were their own and may believe that following them or being obedient to them is the only way to function. This can also lead to them attacking other black characters for not behaving in the way that Uncle Tom, air quotes, thinks they should. Okay, it says, in some ways you can think of Uncle Tom's as tragic characters. They have convinced themselves that if they are good enough to white people, they will be safe, even though that is not the case. It is a sad and dangerous state of mind. As a result, Uncle Tom is often used as an insult within black communities when somebody is perceived as capitulating to white supremacist ideas. Uh, Yeah, it's warning. It's warning not to use the phrase Uncle Tom in your book, which is clever i mean i'm telling you you have to listen to these people and so i wanted to talk about whether or not joe gardner is a uncle tom type of character because i just don't see it i do not see it at all i'm just skipping ahead to my next point which is going to be the magical negro that's what it says in this book right here I'm showing you if you're watching, but I'm telling you if you're listening. So, listen, I do not believe that Joe Gardner is an Uncle Tom-type character, even though he is willing to sacrifice himself for 22, who is the little character that hasn't been to Earth yet. The premise is that Joe Gardner gets his big break, and then he falls down a manhole hole and dies, and um, he finds out that he's, like, in a hospital somewhere because— He hasn't gone to the great beyond yet, right? And then he gets assigned as a mentor, which he's trying to steal the little Earth badge. You can go back to Earth from this character, 22, who is voiced by Tina Fey. I should also say that Joe Garner is voiced by Jamie Foxx. So good. Jamie Foxx. It's like the most amazing. His voice is awesome. So in this article that I read, the writer was saying that because in the end, Joe Garner is willing to sacrifice himself for 22, who's voiced by a white character, that Joe Garner is a type of Uncle Tom character. And I would say no, because it's not that he's willing to sacrifice his life. He died like fair and square. You know what I'm saying? Like he wasn't paying attention and he fell down the manhole. And also it's not like he's... He's accepting the fact that he's died and that this person hasn't lived yet. It's not that he's sacrificing himself. And also, they tell us in the movie that these little souls, we have no idea what they'll become. And we never see, like I said, this is full of spoilers. We never see what 22 becomes. Uh, We know that she's voiced that, right, he, she, we don't know. We don't know what gender. We don't know a race. We don't know any of that stuff. We know that 22 is voiced by Tina Fey, which they make a joke about it in order to annoy Uh, Joe Gardner's character and Tina Fey's poking fun at herself which she's amazing at she's so talented she blew me away in this part this role as well but so I don't see it as like a black character saving a white character like it's not a white character and also it's not that Joe is sacrificing himself he realizes that he wasn't valuing the right things in life and he thinks that 22 will have a better chance at doing that and that's why he's not willingly sacrificing himself he is rightfully giving back the thing that he stole from her and 
I just loved all of the black characters. They were so amazing. They were so real. Like I didn't find that any of them fell into the stereotypes. I felt that they represented um, black culture and specifically jazz culture in such a positive and realistic way, but not like overly positive. And that's one of the things I'm learning from How to Write Black Characters, an incomplete guide, is that the real thing you can do that's awful is to make a black character seem like they're not a person, right? By not giving them real people things. And Joe has real struggles and real fears, real insecurities, real pain from his father dying, from his mother not accepting him. He was such a complicated character and I loved it. I mean, he felt very real, very fleshed out to me. And I know that Kemp Powers, who was the co-director of this film, it was really important for him to accurately represent black culture, not as something over-idealized as perfect, but as real, as flawed, but not overly flawed. So you have to find that balance when you're trying to represent a group of people correctly in your story. And so the next thing that I want to talk about is I feel like I've argued that pretty well. If you disagree with me, I would love to hear what you think. Please um, go to expensivewords.com and click on email the host and tell me what you think. I I want to hear your opinion. Do you think I, I succeeded in explaining why he doesn't fall into the Uncle Tom category? And also, I just can't imagine... Pixar not being so careful about this and they, you know, like they had, they, I mean, they have all these sensitivity uh, viewers, they're, they're so careful. And um, if they weren't being careful, I would be the first one to be like, this is wrong because you know how I am, you know how much I care about this. But I feel like they did a great job. Okay, the next thing we're going to talk about is the magical Negro, which is also a stereotype to avoid in How to Write Black Characters, an incomplete guide. And I wanted to talk about it because basically what happens right away is we meet Joe, he does a couple things, and then he dies and he turns into a spirit. So he's like a blue blob with his little cool fedora that he wears throughout the whole film. And so people are accusing the movie of not representing his race by turning him into something else. But he's still he's still the same person, but it doesn't make sense for souls to have colors because like we see and like they say in the film we don't the soul is I I mean I'm gonna give away the the whole point of the movie but the soul is the essence of the person and and who they are but how they live how they enjoy life and because Joe is really caught up in jazz he thinks that unless he becomes a um jazz a concert jazz pianist that he's failed in life and he's learning through all these different things that happen in the film that it's not about that and uh the whole the whole time I was watching it I kept thinking your profession isn't what you do not who you are because that's what I keep telling myself that's what I've been like working on in the storyteller mindset where I'm trying to help other people understand that if they never write a successful book, whatever they qualify that as meaning, uh, that doesn't mean that they don't have any value as a person. And the one thing that I keep going back to as to why people have value is because people have souls. So I, like I said, I was geeking out with this film. Um, but so the, 
the idea that he becomes a soul and he's kind of fitting into this magical Negro or he's stripped of his blackness. I, I didn't feel that at all. And I want to read you another quick excerpt from How to Write Black Characters in Incomplete Guide, which I know I've already said you should buy it, but you really should. It's awesome. It's helping me so much. And uh, yeah, I know it's helping some of my clients. I've like told all my clients to go buy this book. But it says, uh, Magical Negro. This stereotype comes up when white when the white protagonist needs help to achieve the goal of their quest. They need advice or wisdom from someone, and when this character is black and exists, listen to this, and exists only for this purpose, they become a magical Negro. This is, of course, especially true when the advice is about accessing some kind of magic or about the magic, uh, oh, the magic... Uh, of self-belief or something similar. You can see the stereotype played out in Driving Miss Daisy, uh, The Green Mile, Pirates of the Caribbean, and innumerable other examples in television shows such as Heroes, Doctor Who, How I Met Your Mother, Vampire Diaries, etc. There's, listen, this is the, this is, listen to this. There's nothing wrong with having black characters who provide advice, but if they're, if this is their only place in the narrative, their role is a stereotypical one. This is doubly true if they only live long enough to impart their wisdom before being tragically killed so that their words have even more importance for the white character. So listen, okay, I can understand why people would group soul under these characteristics, but there are several few important distinctions that I feel removes soul from this category. Uh, for example, the protagonist is Joe Gardner. Okay, 22 is the supporting character. Straight out, flat out. And actually, Joe's character learns way more from 22 than 22 does from Joe. Also, Joe's primary function in the story is to learn these lessons himself, and he actually does some pretty shady things to 22. Like I said, he steals her Earth badge, right? Uh, so this, these, these are the things I'm talking about. That's why this doesn't fall under that, because 22 is not the protagonist. And as I have said, we do not know what ethnicity 22 is just because she's voiced by a white woman. Does it mean that she would become a white girl, etc.? So... Joe's journey is the important journey here. We don't even see the end or the beginning of what 22 becomes or does because the story ends with Joe as it should to where he's decided that he's learned from 22, that he needs to learn how to enjoy just living and not putting all this pressure on his life that if you don't do this one thing, which he finds out is not his sole purpose in existing, which is jazz piano, then you failed and you're worthless. So I, I really want you guys to go watch this movie. It's great. Also something that uh, I know that some of my clients are going to be like, Kristen, one of the supporting characters doesn't have a name. They have a number because I'm always telling authors not to do this, okay? I'm always saying, please don't give them just a random number. You need to give them some iteration of a number that can sound like a name because readers find themselves very detached from characters that only have number names. And in this case, we have 22, who is a character without a name. And I would argue that film allows for connection with the viewer in a way that reading does not, and that's why it works in this case. 
I still feel strongly that you shouldn't simply have a number as a name for a character in a book because it's difficult for the reader to connect with them. Um, I do think it works in this case, but like I said, I feel that most of that is because you can see the expressions on the animated beings face. You can hear the intonation of their voice. You don't have those things in writing. Like you can show kind of their face. You can say that they had a, a twinge in their voice, but there's not the immediate connection like there is in film. That's one of the things that we writers struggle against is we have to create something only with our words and we cannot control what happens in the reader's mind. Whereas if you're working on film, you can control the experience to a certain extent because you are showing them something visually and you're controlling what that thing looks like. Whereas in writing, I can say she was small. She had blue. Uh, she had blue black hair you know um she was petite but that that can look a million different ways it really can and so that's why i still am going to argue even though you might get mad at me that you shouldn't use numbers for name characters in your story especially for the protagonist um, but yeah, there are clever ways of getting around that. And I've tried to help my clients and my mentees do that so that they can keep the world building they need with the number identification without losing that personal connection from the reader. Uh, like, for example, maybe using Roman numerals and then having it kind of spell a word that people say or that the character calls themselves or that their friends call them. Right. Because we did see that sort of thing uh, in the Divergent series before it got ruined. <laughs> and, you know, I've talked about that, how that got ruined. And, um, yeah, all that fun stuff. But I just want to end with saying I do not feel that uh, Soul was culturally insensitive. I felt it was really great. Just the diversity was amazing. Uh, also, Pixar has instituted this software where they record how many male and female uh, and non-binary, well, maybe it's not non-binary. I don't remember. I think they're working toward that, where they identify how many, like what percentage of the film is male and female. And uh, I definitely noticed that in Soul that there were way more female characters that made me feel so happy. I feel that it is a really empowering representation um, for people of color, for POCs, and specifically for black people. Like my my favorite scene in the entire movie was when they went to the barbershop. And maybe I was um, biased because I had seen the interview with Kemp Powers and I knew how much it meant to him. But I loved it not just because of the um, authentic portrayal of black culture and what that means for good or for bad, but because Joe's character learns that he's been selfish and he hasn't even been paying attention to the people around him. And it's awesome I just to see his character growth. You know, that's what I want. I want to see a dynamic character arc, and he definitely has one. I will give them that. Um, so I, I recommend Soul. I would give it five out of five stars. It made me cry, not just because of the sadness, but because of the storytelling. And, you know, when I see a good story, what happens? I cry. So I want to encourage you to, though, take a look, see for yourself, research what I've said. Go read How to Write Black Characters, an Incomplete Guide by Salt and Sage, because it's awesome. And um, hopefully 
you can see what I'm talking about as you're watching the film and trying to understand all of the things that it does successfully and all of the ways that they were very careful. And I, it just kills me when I see cr critics out there railing against it and using these things because I can see how much effort they put into this story. I am very uh, proud of all the people who worked on this project. You all did a wonderful job. Uh, it was the most, I mean, it was an enjoyable experience for my family to sit and watch together. And we loved it. And I loved it. And I thought it was a great piece of storytelling. So that's my review of Soul. Like I said, five out of five stars. And uh, I'm going to talk more, which you might be like, how can you possibly talk more about this? I'm going to talk more about how to write black characters, an incomplete guide, in my things that I loved in 2020 um, episode. And I want to encourage you, don't give up. Keep writing. Keep thinking of stories. Remember, it is never too late to write the story of your heart. And I'm really excited to tell you also about some projects that are coming up in 2021. Um, but that's going to be for the next episode. So thank you for listening slash watching. Happy writing. This has been Kristen on the Expensive Words podcast, pouring out my heart for you, my wonderful listener. If there's any question you want to ask me, if there's anything you want to tell me, you can go to expensivewords.com or you can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer. And I would love to hear your wonderful writing thoughts from your amazing writing brain. Happy writing.